0: Word to the Wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling choicey adult themes and entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. We are finishing part one of book three of the Red Rising Saga titled Morningstar by Pierce Brown. This week, both Crossland and I slurp on some pink shit with grapefruit. One of us has a Decent looking classic, not classic, but classy cocktail. The other has something hideous and disgusting. And I'll let you be the judge of who has what. So enjoy.
1: Hey there, this is Cross. And I'm PJ. And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. Think of us as your Drunk Weekly book club. Today, we discuss how, on Mars, no
0: one really dies when people say they do. How does Darrow (laughs) keep getting fooled by this shit? (laughs) By his own mother, no less. Uh, Stay tuned for some more hot takes and hot cakes on the Words and Whiskey podcast.
1: Oh, boys, that's spicy. Those are going to be some spicy takes. Today is our second episode covering Morningstar by Pierce Brown, and we are here to discuss the second half of part one, Thorns, covering chapters eight through twelve. But before we talk about that, let's talk about what we're drinking. PJ introed it. You want to go ahead? You you can start. Crossland and I both posted pictures of what we're drinking
0: on our Discord, which is what we chat through while we record. They look very similar. They're just pink. <laughs> They're basically just pink. Mine's, uh, I, I titled it Pink's Pleasure. So mine's a themed cocktail tackling pink this time. So it's uh, two ounces of Reiki of vodka, half an ounce of a rosemary simple syrup that I made earlier today, four ounces of grapefruit juice, two dashes of grapefruit bitters, shook that all together and poured it over some cracked ice ice cubes that i that i had and uh garnished it with a rosemary sprig which i wrapped in like a very intricately cut line of grapefruit rind and it's fucking delicious it's really really good i'm more proud of this cocktail than i think almost any other one that i've had on the show so far like i i really will keep this as a mainstay in my repertoire
1: I'm exceedingly jealous of your delicious, delicious cocktail, um, as it sounds. Wait, you can't
0: give it, you you can't, you can't ruin the surprise. Which of us has the good cocktail and which was as bullshit.
1: Oh, you're right. Um, let me talk about my drink. I, my drink is all going to be by volume. So think about (laughs) your glass. Think about like the size of your glass. And if you're looking at it, try to imagine this. So, I've got 37.8% of that volume is grape juice. I've got grape uh, juice, grapefruit juice. My bad. I can't even, (laughs) man, I can't even comprehend. I've had like two sips of this thing and it's going to knock me on my ass. Just kidding. Maybe, uh, who knows? So we've got the 37.8% grapefruit juice. We've got 2% lime juice, 50% whiskey, 10% barely sparkling water. (laughs) It's, barely carbonated uh and 0.2 percent of bitters and icy boys so
0: you originally when you when you type this into the show notes you put flat sparkling water which i would like to make the point is just water
1: yeah this is fair apparently there's a little bit of bubbles left it it should be known that I did this to myself. and you did. that. This is entirely my own fault. So we, it's note, also no one to blame. I
0: think uh, fair to note that you just spent what seven hours in a car yesterday.
1: Yet yeah, nine, nine because nine. DC was hell. Uh, okay, fair enough. Ride, it's, and it's you don't fine. have a whole lot at uh, at your girlfriend's house. So I will
0: concede that that's fine, whatever. But what's not acceptable is that you don't have a beer this week. I don't have a After beer, PJ. We agreed it, to do a non IPA beer, which I suppose nothing is not an IPA, so I guess you 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 followed that rule, but I I fair truly did follow that rule. So uh, following up my drink, I've got a Belgian triple from Lupulin Brewing Company out of Big Lake, Minnesota. Killer brewery. They are they're expanding way more than i ever knew like they are all over the country already which is Hmm. really really cool if you're in minnesota you can find lupelin wherever but if you're around the country take a look they do some really really good stuff and they're like a half hour from me i was at their at the brewery on saturday went there on saturday with a friend and got this this bottle of their belgian triple which is actually delicious it's really good i one of the breweries I used to work for does a really, really good job with Belgians, and I developed just a love for the for the styles. But man, there are some bad Belgian styles in the states, and uh, finding one that's really good is really, really nice. So that's that's what I'll be sipping on after this.
1: It should be noted that I didn't wuss out of the beer. No, you just, just because, and not even like I maybe could have gone and gotten some, but. I also decided that I wasn't going to do our typical pre-show shot because of the amount of alcohol that is in this beverage. So, yep. let it let it be known that this is this is just a one and done. I I named it fucked because I'm never doing this ever again. So, you know, worse than the uh Baja Blast cocktail you made or co- uh. Did did that ever air? I think it did. That never aired. <laughs> oh no! Oh That was our lost. We've episode. talked about this
0: a couple of times. <laughs> yep. You're right. That
1: <laughs> yeah. one got lost for yeah. good. I think for for better. For better. For better. It's yeah. it's fine. Yeah. It could it could have been better. We will move into last week's predictions. There really is only one that registered from last week. That is the last prediction that you made, which is what happens next week. To which you said to Lycos. And you are fabulously wrong. I don't know if it's fabulously
0: wrong. I think a space a, a space racist. If he walked into Lycos and he walked into Tinos, he'd probably assume they're the same place. Wow.
1: <laughs> I, I just didn't even know where to go with that. We're gonna we're gonna just leave that one there. You're gonna take your drink, and we're gonna go into the chapter. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> least it's tasty
0: it is really good like seriously that rosemary simple syrup that i made Mm -hmm. i i will use it for more cocktails going forward because it's really fucking
1: good nice i now have a number of different bottles that i've started little aging processes on for liquors so i'm excited
0: i have now five different simple syrup bottles of different like flavored simple syrups that i've got wow (laughs) Uh, one of them is just normal. One's basil. One's ginger. I've got one for the rosemary, and then something else. I can't even
1: remember at this point. But it's I good, need to get like little squeeze stuff. bottles for uh, like them. I've I've just got little hot sauce bottles. They work see, really like well. Like that would that would do it. I was thinking like the Bravo squeeze bottle. Yeah. Style. I
0: actually I have two of them in literally repurposed Bravo squeeze bottles. I hate you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Bravo Burritos! If you are in, ever near Saint Cloud, Minnesota, is the best goddamn burrito place in the world. For a, a, like as much as I care, like as as much as I know, and for all I care, it's the best place. And yep, I will <laughs> we'll be, be getting tattoos, tattoos on our about. forehead
1: in six months. Cool. When did we decide on forehead? <laughs> I don't know that we did. We didn't. We didn't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we actually decided on assholes right now, not assholes, just asses. Yes, the Bravo brothers. Anyway, so with that, let's uh, let's get into our (laughs) chapters here. So we start off with Chapter Eight, Home, which I think is just a a great kind of chapter. And this whole section, this whole second half, the first half is just action-packed from like the dreary darkness of the box, and then we kind of get like a bit of respite here. We get caught up, we get character moments, and. It should be said that it's clear that Pierce Brown's writing captures us better here than it did in the first book. It does, you know, with kind of a similar paced um, section.
0: It it certainly does. It gives the sort of feeling of the space without it being really kind of weird and mm-hmm. Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Which either I, that or we got used to it. I don't. I don't think that's it. <laughs> okay. Like, I've gone back and read the first 50 pages again. It's it's mm. not the same voice. That's fair. Darrow is also a
1: very different person then, so that makes sense. He's, I mean, mostly an entirely different person. Yes, as everyone continually likes to point out throughout this section. <laughs> Literally a different person. Not only that, you are a different, different person because you atrophied inside of a box. <laughs> like, bad, bad times. Which kind of brings him closer to what he originally was. Yeah, to some degree. But, I mean, he's probably closer to Slender Man than he is to a Red. Yeah, true. Weird, but true. (laughs) So, I I think, actually, there was one really good note that you brought up to me. You actually called me when we were in the middle of the section, and you mentioned something. I didn't put this in the notes, but I figure it's worth talking about just right off the bat. There is a weird, like, one weird inconsistency here where previously the book had mentioned that Darrow's hands didn't have sigils on them. And then uh, one of Kieran's daughters touches them here, and and he shows it to the to the people
0: in the infirmary as well. Mm-hmm. But but also, I I went back and tried to find where it said that he doesn't have sigils anymore. I can't find it, but I I swear to God, it says that his body is like sigilless.
1: Yeah, I thought so too, but perhaps perhaps we're entirely wrong and now we're just embarrassing ourselves with something that was uh, was not inside of the script even that i just brought up for no reason cool mm-hmm. <laughs> So, Dara wakes to him, uh, to a story being read to him, which I think is interesting, sitting in a hospital bed. We get, like, a little bit of poetry right off the bat, which I think is interesting and kind of calls back to something that we discussed previously with Pierce Brown's intentions with character. If he ever gets stuck, his writer's block process of kind of scribbling down a poem and then letting that poem Mm -hmm. resemble the feelings of the character in those moments. So, I think that's interesting here. Yeah. What I found most interesting of this is
0: narrow's interjection where uh he talks about the the violet like bullshit that he's reading and it, it just made me think about how each part of society has a separate word for just soft bullshit mm-hmm. the golds have pixies and the reds just call it violet <laughs> mm-hmm. so i mean it, it makes total sense that their worldview and the society that they live in there are certainly going to be people that are a little bit softer, a little bit more emotional, a little bit less rough around the edges. And they're going to get a little bit mocked by the people that aren't. So it was, it was kind of cool to sort of see that side by side.
1: Yeah, I, I think another note to just stack on top of that, too, is the... It is very cool to see those things side by side. They're also like most of the colors don't have as completely different of a culture as red does from everyone else, right?
0: Especially Uh, low reds, mm -hmm. specifically low reds, because I I really don't I don't know if we know much about high reds.
1: Yeah. I mean, outside of like some of the differences in labor that they do, no, not really. And and to be honest, for the most part, I think high reds and browns are mostly interchangeable. There aren't a whole lot. We haven't experienced like a notable brown,
0: though. This was the
1: first section where it mentioned browns. I feel mm-hmm. like. like, And
0: I say that because it mentioned the brown farmers and I had never realized that the browns were farmers. And I'm sure it was like, I know there's the sort of pyramid in the beginning of a golden sun. So I'm sure it set it in there and I just, I never made a note of it, but that makes sense that higher reds and browns would be a little bit interchangeable. But my point is the higher reds live amongst all the other colors whereas mm-hmm. the low reds are completely isolated other than the people kind of driving their their quotas so they they have this isolation in which their society can evolve separately from everything else
1: yeah yeah definitely i I think that you're you're definitely correct in the fact that they do evolve completely separately i think that there's only like one other color that really has like a distinct or two other colors there are only a handful of other colors that have distinct cultures but those are almost forced on them by society or gold like what and golds yeah and gold that that, i meant that's why i was saying like a couple so like grays in the militaristic culture obsidians and their forced culture like adoption of the norse culture Mm -hmm. and golds and kind of their you know, cast of, of leadership. But you got to think for, I don't know, the, maybe, maybe everyone does, but it doesn't feel as representative as the differences between red and other people, just because they're so low reds are so unaware of the rest of society. Right. So it's, it is interesting. And I, I do agree with you. I think that it's, it is a cultural difference that the low reds have specifically separating them out. Right. Right. So we move on from the interesting tale to Harmony. God damn Harmony. Mm -hmm. It was Harmony that got Fitchner killed and turned them all in. Such a fucking dick. I I think it's really interesting in her character. She's just so anti-gold and anti-society. She's anti every other color that it becomes anti-progress. You know, I would like to say uh, I fucking called it from the jump on that one <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, you did you did yes i'll i'll drink for that fair enough <laughs> how's that how's that drink oh. for you <laughs> oh right before Bullet. we started
0: recording uh just to peek behind the curtain a little bit crossland took a sip of this and he's like oh my god i can't believe i have to drink this for like a couple hours
1: yeah um I don't, I don't know that i'm gonna finish it all the way through
0: hmm I mean, get a shot glass. Take it as shot. We'll
1: see. <laughs> Continue.
0: Uh, um, but I, I feel like I feel like this whole sort of deal is very, very short-sighted. By Harmony, she mm-hmm. seems completely blind. She she is a space racist. She is a mm-hmm. straight-up space racist. But I, I think she's overlooking the entire reason why Darrow was carved into a gold to infiltrate gold society. It is it is to to take it out from the inside out, yes, but it's also to try to convert some golds to to fight with them. There's there's a comment later on in this chunk that says Aries knew we couldn't take gold on head on, something to that effect. Like they they knew from the get-go that they would need help from some golds in order to take gold society down. And it, mm-hmm. it seems like she just either didn't get that memo or just ignored it based on how she's been acting. Just blinded,
1: yeah, I, blinded by rage for golds no matter what. I think I would go with ignored it, right? Because she ultimately, the, she decided to turn him in once she knew that Ares was gold. Right. right? Like that, that was that's, the moment that she my broke. Yeah. That's my point.
0: That's exactly what I'm saying is I, I think it makes total sense to have somebody of a higher position... Fittred, he, he was a peerless guard, right? I would assume uh, he'd have to yes. be in order to be a, a proctor. Yes. So he like he was, he was the best sort of representative and had the best access to anything in order to pull something like this off. It makes total sense to try to get golds on your side. I can believe that she just ignored it, but it's hard for me to believe that she it never crossed her mind that that was a possibility.
1: Yeah, I, I think the other part of that, that is really, um, it definitely had to cross her mind, right? Like she had to, God, I, I'm just, I'm stuck on her character in general, right? Because she ultimately like, yes, you you are correct that she is a space racist, right? But she <laughs> was, she was also harmed by society and kind of the oppressive system that was, is. And so she obviously has those predispositions but she doesn't she fails completely to recognize the point of darrow right completely the point that aries and fitchner everyone else excuse me dancer fitchner went through to get someone into gold society to effectively infiltrate and be like a true true underclass hero to some degree Mm -hmm. i don't know Hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. She literally only sees revenge, which we get another character who only sees revenge. Well, at the very least, wants revenge at the end here. Yeah. You know, that's that's interesting. Our
0: interaction so far with gold society hasn't been with gold society. It's been with peerless scarred society, which is essentially Mm -hmm. like getting plopped into a into a room with a bunch of senators and assuming that's what the entire population's like. Very true. Very true. Because we are only seeing the elite, like the elite
1: of the elite, like 0.1% mm-hmm. of the population or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I don't fully remember the number. I feel like it was a hundred thousand ish. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. It was about that. Yeah. That are, that are discussed. Definitely nuts. It
0: might've even been like 0.01% of the population or something like that. Like it's a very <laughs> small number of people.
1: Compared yeah. To yeah. Yeah. They they are only going into the institutes variously in like 1200 person classes. So I wonder how quickly these folks are getting killed or if they're intentionally growing over time to some degree. If it's like this is a ramp up period of the Peerless Guard or something. Right. It's but an interesting.
0: That's my question, though. Have we met a named gold character that's not a Peerless Guard?
1: I don't think Pliny was. Was he not? I do not believe so. OK. But very few. Mm hmm. So he was, it appears as though he's not a peerless guard.
0: It'd be interesting to see what the general gold populace is like comparatively.
1: Yeah, it definitely would be, you know, we get, we get just a brief picture of, uh, of, you know, a golden boy being chased by a couple of golden girls in the beginning of red rising within that first section, you know, post the 50 pages. I think it's like in the range of like 70 to 80 where, you know, they're like chasing each other around drunk for a second. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, I mean, there's there are a few moments where we just see kind of standard goals that aren't just soldiers that are getting mowed down, you know. <laughs> right. So I think it's very interesting and that harmony is a piece of shit. So, well, yeah, that's that's what we're <laughs> circling back to. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Most notably, you know, within this chapter, we find out about the lengths with which the the society went to present Darrow's death, a fake televised execution and everything.
0: Yeah, they definitely withhold quite a bit of information on that, though, which makes total sense. They they don't say anything about him actually being a red. But in retrospect, that that's them shooting themselves in the foot, because when the the hc of the carving gets released that's just first of all it's a rallying cry to everybody to say like hey look at this low red who suddenly became he he called an iron rain like that's fucking crazy but at Mm -hmm. the same time hey we just watched him get executed and now we know it's probably because he was a red and they're hiding that from us what else are they hiding from us and it, it to anyone not really paying attention to what's going on in this society, that could be sort of a, a kick into, into uh, action.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's actually a really good point. I think the other component here to consider is let's say they did reveal that it was Darrow, right? Wouldn't you want to do something worse than just killing him? You know, like that's my, my thought. The only way that you could really dissuade people rather than you know execution at that point for someone who impersonated is something absolutely absurd and i can't even imagine what you would do to prevent an uprising from him becoming a martyr right which is what he ends up being once the carving is released as well i mean i'm not saying i don't know that there's a right way to handle this at this point the correct way to handle this was to not have slaves (laughs) but i have an answer yeah what's your answer in a live feed
0: for 3 months straight uninterrupted of him being tortured.
1: Yeah, that would do it probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. yeah I think that'd be that it'd be pretty fucked up. <laughs> I don't know if that would fully dissuade people though, you know. I feel like that might just double down efforts or increase resentment. It's it's a tough call regardless. Mm-hmm. I I don't think that there's it's a fair. right way to handle it. I don't know if this was the best way that they could have. I couldn't tell you if the other one would be worse or not. I think that the overall situation, though, with Severo revealing the carving video does make it worse. Oh, yeah, (laughs) Uh, for sure. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely on your side on that. I just don't know if there was a better way of doing it, you know, from Uh, not having public executions. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like I said, like just not (laughs) existing the way that they do presently, which is kind of the point of the book series. So
0: change the way your entire society works.
1: Please and thank you. Mm-hmm. So, moving on. There's nothing. So, this Narol has a great point when you know, kind of discussing things with uh, Kieran, Kieran and whatnot. Kieran, not Kieran and Darrow, and you know, the kids and everything else, and kind of the waking dream that is waking up near Dio, thinking that she's yo. Yeah, it's all interesting. Narol still being alive is you know obviously interesting. I find the conversation here between Kieran and darrow very interesting where they're basically breaking down like kieran is effectively saying that like he really wants to support his, he wanted to give like an inheritance to his children and those the inheritance that he received was skills you know and so like that's the only thing that he knows how to like pass down and while he believes in the dream at the same time he's like you know i kind of wanted my son to be a hell diver. you know i wanted my children to be that and Narrow replies with this. There's nothing to to that. Now that you've got eyes, it's a hollowed life when you know you're being stepped on. And it's a really interesting point that kind of opens up the conversation. I think a little bit more or sums it up between the the conversation that we had in Golden Sun between Darrow and Deanna.
0: Yeah, and that got me thinking about her about about Darrow's mother. Is what would she think now? Like what? It, they're they're in the midst of it. Like they are knee deep in the rebellion. They are effectively part of the Sons of Ares, all of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm curious what Deanna would think now, and if Darrow and his mother had that same conversation, what she would say now, and if those would be different things. I I'd, I'd believe that she probably thinks the same way that she did. That even if. They succeed. All that's going to happen is people are still going to be slaves, but suddenly they're aware of it and they feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have anywhere to live up top. Like they, effectively, nothing will actually change about the lives that they're leading for the masses. At least I, I think she probably still thinks that, but I'd, I'd be curious now that it's happening And now that they're a part of it, and now that it's gaining steam and gaining momentum, would she be that open with him about it?
1: I don't, I don't think she would necessarily, you know, I think, I think she would still have the same conversation. I feel like she may have shifted a bit based on kind of the actual seeing of the uprising, right? Like being embedded inside of it to some degree being like, Holy shit. Like it's actually very real. You know, there's, there's a sense of reality that comes with actually seeing Tinos and being there and experiencing the sons of Ares on the inside and kind of the the sigil on the houses, the sigil of the scythe and everything else, I I think could show a very different side. I don't know if it fully changes her argument about, you know, people being unhappy or being taken advantage of. Oh, no, no, no. When they emerge I, I, from the mines. I'm not saying that it
0: changes anything. I, I'm just I'd be curious if it changes how
1: she presents herself within that conversation. Oh, that's that's what I'm saying. Is I think it does. Okay, okay. I think she does change because of the experience. Gotcha. Because of what she knows now. Mm -hmm. So I think I think that she does shift a bit. I think the big the big change though is that I don't feel like she thinks that she's wrong necessarily. I think she just has more information. and so I think she would come more to a she she and Nero, I think, are still on like opposite sides of that argument to some degree. Right. Mm-hmm. She also kind of has the opinion of like not knowing is better than knowing. Right. Nero saying as soon it as you know, is a place. problem. Yeah. But I think that she has a more pro and open mindset because, you know, the other part of this is she's tucked in a safe, safe place now. She actually has been liberated by a rebellion and i think that she would change her tune a little bit we'll see though i think that it's an yeah. interesting ongoing conversation between you know
0: that's darrow's family that said they're kind of living like kings a little bit like they're living like royalty with with everyone else half a million people
1: living on like a quarter of the rations that they should have yeah i i mean their their situation definitely improved right no There's, no, no, no. I, I i'm i'm yes
0: yes it has but what i'm saying is Almost everyone in this city is, they're a refugee, they're working with whatever resources they have, but they're really not actually able to feed people properly. They can't control the crime properly, so they have to keep the lights on all the time. Like, this is not a good situation in the city that they're in. But as far as I can tell, Darrow's family and all of the howlers and all of the for lack of a better term, royalty within this uprising, have a lot more comfort than everyone else in the cities or in the hmm. city. Um, That's so I, it's I, not something I, I'd thought about. I wonder if, because, I mean, Darrow got a full pot of coffee and his mother was offered two of them from the cook, which also theme of the series.
1: From the cook. Yeah,
0: right. It's important to know. Like, I, I wonder, I wonder if that's something she's struggling with right now as well, because she seems like the kind of person that would struggle with that internally of like, mm-hmm. who who am I to have this sort of privilege when everyone
1: else is suffering? Like, she seems very utilitarian in that way. That's very true. I, I don't disagree at all with that. I think that you raise a fair point on the way that the rest of the city is going especially considering the way that Severo is kind of handling the Sons of Aries. I, I think that it's supposed to feel like it's kind of cracking under his leadership to some degree. Yeah. But Dancer is the one that gets the <laughs> negative brunt of it. Right. I mean, to some degree, I think Severo still does as we kind of well, see in later a scenes
0: l- a little bit, but explicitly it says something along the lines of they, they like me more cause I've got a cool helmet, but there, Dar- but mm-hmm. Dancer is the one that like passes down all the negative, like, decrees of like lower rations
1: and shit like that Mm -hmm. specifically the cool helmet though. Like that's specifically the cool helmet with the horns, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's neat. Exactly. So with that, we move into chapter nine, the city of Ares, as we've been talking about, we, as you'd mentioned, we'd already kind of discussed the coffee to some degree in the cook bit. Um, funny. I love the reference to the stuff from Jamaica. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this prompt, like that, misspelling or
0: mispronunciation, what would it be in text? In text, it's mix, misspelling, but it's referring to a mispronunciation. Mm-hmm. How would I refer to that? Ooh, there's a word for it, and I don't remember what it's called. Okay, either way, um, it prompted me to like research coffee growing in Jamaica, and it, co- Jamaica pr- produces like 0.1% of the world's coffee right now. So I'm curious if that was just straight up incorrect information or if suddenly Jamaica's a more prominent coffee growing spot on earth a few hundred years later or like what what how that all
1: shakes out. Yeah, it's it's su- that's super interesting to uh, to pull out and pick up. The only word that I can think of is like it's kind of dialect but it's that's not the right thing i actually listened to an entire thing that was about accents and the way that they read say etc and you know how that works wire did an excellent piece on it that they put out like two weeks ago two or three weeks ago Hmm. super cool i think i sent it in discord you might have. i probably did i'm dumb i know i did don't read that much well it was it was a video (laughs) so point to the
0: show (laughs) It was a it was a video. Yeah, but it was probably like words that you wrote out and posted.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) You you do have a hard time checking your phone, so it's Yeah, Just kidding. I'm the one with a hard time checking my phone. So
0: at least it's better than when you had two phones and I didn't know which number to text all the time.
1: This is true. This is true. The work phone was a was a serious, serious issue for some people
0: you so it was an issue for you because you would never tell us which one you were primarily using well i like i, 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 I would get I into did. the habit of texting your work phone and then suddenly you'd like only use that for work and like hey i texted you like what's up uh- <laughs> <laughs> and you're like oh no i don't
1: use that phone for like personal calls anymore i'm like when the fuck did you tell me that i'm <laughs> just gonna dodge right out of that conversation <laughs> so, uh and then we get a pair that we haven't seen in a long time which is ragnar and Severo which is great um i mean i guess we saw both of them in the bumblebee but we didn't really see them we yeah, didn't really get just, to talk we didn't to them. interact with them much and i find it interesting that he's typically that he's referred to here he being Severo as hatchet face Considering, wasn't that the description that was used for his father, for Fitchner? It, it certainly was, but uh,
0: the ugly apple doesn't fall far from the ugly tree, so to speak. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh,
1: I, th- I think it's probably fitting. That's that's fair. Also, I'm going to forever remember ugly apples as hatchet-faced apples. Now it's mm, great. Yep. As though. Yep. That sounds good. As though they have a nice divot right in the right through the center. Uh, and probably several worms, many worms rotting. So the whole conversation with Severo was just phenomenal as well. And getting to dive back into his humor was something that you know I'd kind of missed since the grim ending or grim nature of the end of Golden Sun and the beginning of this book. It was nice to kind of come back to the humor a little bit for a second. Oh, you know, absolutely. Just there, there was a line that made me absolutely
0: laugh out loud when i read it which was the way just the it was dripping in self-awareness and just casually used the term terrorist warlord to describe himself yeah um fucking hilarious but also the ragnar and severo Definitely built up sort of a brotherly relationship in Darrow's absence, and it, it was it was very well demonstrated without being explicitly mentioned. Like the the point when Ragnar literally throws Severo away and steals his candy bar, <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> yeah, that was giggles so about great. it a little bit, smirks about it a little bit. Like they they have developed this really cool. Friendship and and brotherhood that doesn't really need words to describe it. It, it can be described very
1: perfectly with actions. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see that unfold even more. Yeah, I totally couldn't agree more. I think that it's a great great point to bring up too. Is the way that obviously like life went on, and they even said that like they did. They truly thought that Darrow was dead until five days ago, yeah. right? It, it, so, it's been
0: almost a year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, the amount of time that he's been missing, it's been so long. And of it's course, been, the rising has to go on. Yeah, but almost a year since they watched him get executed, mm-hmm. which is fucked up. Yeah, we also get I mean, we get this kind of in the next chapter, too, to some degree, but everything has moved pretty fast. I mean, the, the, the moon rebellion to some degree happens and the Sword Armada is like goes on its way in like 67 days or something like that, like 60 ish days. Mm-hmm. And it's already chasing after them like so much shit is happening in this war in in terms of time and space. It's just it's so it's so packed. So, of course, some of these friendships are going to form. And, of course, some of the, the we're going to we've missed a lot again uh, in the in-between space of these books. So it's kind of what this section kind of focuses on catching us up on, especially the the relationships. Sevro having Darrow's eyes is just flurry of clever madness, I guess, on Pierce Brown's part. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It's cool. I know how I feel about it. And Crossland.
0: Oh no. If I die before you which I will, oh, let's no. be honest. I I'm not meant for long on this world. When I die before yep, you, you don't fit in doorways. So. <laughs> it's yeah. I'll I'll be crushed by a like I'll have my knees driven through my heart or something if I ever get into a fender bender. Like I don't fit in cars. But when I die, I want you to have my eyes because if I'm lucky, you'll go crazy because suddenly you'll have the proper rods and cones and you'll be able to actually see color and you'll you're psychotic. <laughs>
1: And you will be driven mad by the stimulus. PJ's ultimate solution here is if I die, I'm taking you with me via your color blindness. Like, what kind of madness is that? Uh, <laughs> madness that's disguised as love. Or is it love disguised as madness? Mm. Who knows? Does Severo even know? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what this is. What is this have, offering? Speaking of, though,
0: have
1: you have you considered... That surgery, lately? No, it not at pretty all. Cool though. Uh, okay, so for for the folks who don't know, uh, I, I I'm pretty sure this has been mentioned before, but I'm incredibly colorblind and incredibly it, as with, in entirely right the the type of monochromacy that I achromatopsia monochromacy is very 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 colorblind. There are re- eye replacement surgeries are typically done, not typically, but have been done for people. To attempt to remedy the type of colorblindness. At that point, it's somewhere in the 90% of people who have who are suddenly given color sight end up killing themselves, unfortunately, because See, they're I, overstimulated. I don't want that to happen, but I want you to get close. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you just go mad.
0: <laughs> I want you to go crazy.
1: Well I'm, little did <laughs> maybe you maybe know, just one I'm eye already there. How about just one eye? I don't know that that's better. You also could wear an eye patch.
0: Slow, slowly
1: introduce yourself to the color. Like that's, a couple minutes a day. I don't that's not better. So you're telling me to sacrifice my depth perception for like hey, some
0: I think that would to, be worse. To be, fair, Let's, to be fair, if you get my eyes, you also won't have depth perception because of the trauma that I had done to my eye early on fair fair point fair point Because i don't have i really don't have good depth perception like it's it's a problem for me um so maybe you don't want my eyes never mind (laughs) do you want my fucked up eye
1: no no i'm i'm good (laughs) we're we're not trading (laughs) this okay but severo having darrow's eyes is interesting i get the i get the the symbolism to some degree that he's reaching for there and his like literal, well, you weren't using them is very several but also so, creepy affection only goes so far. So I didn't,
0: my, my understanding of this was less about affection towards Darrow. It was symbolic and definitely maybe carried a little bit of weight as far as like the connection to Darrow goes, but my guess is he was at Mickey's workshop and saw the uh, I'm I'm assuming it looks kind of like an apothecary and it was just like a mason jar with like fluid that had Darrow's eyes in it and Severo saw it and he's like, oh, hmm, I'm kind of leading a red rebellion. Maybe I should have some red eyes. I'm missing an eye anyway. Be cool to have two real eyes again. I'm guessing it was a little bit less. I'm guessing it, w- it was prompted by the desire to have red eyes to fit more in with the people that he was leading. And it the fact
1: that it was Darrow's eyes was just kind of a cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Also, the fact that he, you know, now no longer has like a dead eye is a is a good thing.
0: Well, I mean, I, I'd assume For bionic eyes are probably better than real eyes.
1: Yeah, I, I guess the other part of this that I hadn't considered to some degree is that, you know, that something that they discussed or had been discussed is like the low red eyes had better adjustment to low light. Right. Like that was a, a function. Oh, yeah.
0: I hadn't even considered that.
1: So that makes total sense. Definitely interesting because no, I think but it's, they have it's lights mentioned on twenty years 7 in the mind. In this place. Yeah, 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 yeah. But years in the mind because people can't stop raping each other when the lights go out. Oh, yeah. There's that problem. Um, it's a real bad bad deal. Bum bum deal for sure. And it's all the so, gamma pricks. Fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's gamma. <laughs> Fucking gamma. It takes a dramatic step. <clears throat> so moving forward from uh from my excited comment. Alright. Um, just
0: leave me hanging there.
1: Yes, it's great. It's great. All those gamma pricks. Just let you think, let you soak in that for a bit.
0: Harmony's so, from, Beneath,
1: Pebble. from Gamma, isn't she? No, she was from Something else. I don't remember. Lambda? I don't know. I feel like she was Lambda. I, I don't I do not remember. So Clown and Pebble though. <laughs> King of transitions, not really. Uh staying around and showing back up are it is great by all counts. It's it's fantastic that so many of the howlers are still like sticking around as a part of the Suns. I mean, obviously we we see that we lost one, uh Thistle to uh to Jackal and the Bone Riders, <laughs> but did you think that this was likely? Did you think that we were going to get howlers?
0: Um, I wasn't surprised that there were howlers here. I am not surprised that they, they followed Severo Mm -hmm. and, uh, stayed loyal to the cause and everything. What I am surprised about is how many of them are still alive, but it's early in the book and my Deadpool that I set forward in the intro episode will become true.
1: Will become true. Well, you heard it here, folks, first folks, PJ doesn't think anyone's going to die. Anyone's going to live. Everyone's going to die. Right. Right. A little, little bit, a little bit of B it's it'll, it'll come to fruition. We're good. Mm -hmm. We're good. Exactly. Uh,
0: But no, ultimately I'm, I'm not that surprised that a lot of them decided to stay with it. I think it was pebble that it it seemed like wanted to kind of rip into Darrow a little bit for the, for mm -hmm. the lies, but got cut off. Or was it clown? It was one of the two, and the the other one cut them off or like stopped them from from speaking.
1: Um, that was what page clown to pebble? On? No, that was pebble to clown. Pebble to clown. Whatever it was, I don't know. So like, clearly there's some animosity
0: and there's some <laughs> like hard feelings, but I I don't think there's any any feeling of being acted upon it in an unjust way. Yeah. Like I, I okay. think I think they understand the cause that they're fighting for.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that Clown and Pebble especially have been with us for a lot of the story and um versus the you know I, I think it's still important because there were obviously other howlers and we're not going to get introduced to all of them. But even the introduction and killing of Harpy and Rotback in the last book just don't have they don't have perfect resonance because we don't know them as well. But Clown and Pebble and Thistle, like we've known the whole time. Right. You know, so like seeing them back as these familiar faces is great. And Screwface, um, as well, who's been, you know, in and out. But yeah, definitely, definitely interesting. So the final kind of note of this chapter to some degree, we get an understanding of Tinos, where they are, kind of the city situation, as you've said, and We also get a final note and know-how of who killed Fitchner. Cassius, the now really, really bad dude who we don't even like because he's just so bad and awful. I uh, don't follow.
0: I think Cassius is a righteous, bodacious dude. And
1: uh, frankly, I'm appalled that you would disparage his name like that. So you're telling me after all this time you're still pro Cassius? I mean He lost an arm, man. Don't you feel bad? <laughs> I mean <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's uh he's a little bit of a bitch and I don't like him.
1: He is a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. He is a piece of shit. So next we move into chapter 10, the war. I think it's excellent that Theodora also finds her place among the rest of the sons here as well. Like just seeing her again, right off the bat was a great Papa Papa color. I, 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 I don't know if that feels I good mean, same same I mean, one color particularly. It. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. Um,
1: but, you know, nonetheless, uh, here we are. I said it already. So,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's nice to see her with the sons.
0: Yeah, no, I, and I think it makes total sense. Her her sort of disposition and her loyalty towards Darrow, with the one exception of when she ratted on him to Mustang for being moody, <laughs> like the bitch that she is. <laughs> Sorry. No. No, I, I think she's completely, I think she fits in really, really well. And um, I'm excited to see her here because the, not extensive, but there were quite a few interactions with Theodora in the last book. And I, I think she's,
1: I think she's going to be a very loyal asset going forward. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. She's going to be a very loyal asset. She's uh she's a great, great friend to Darrow and, you know, he valued her so much that he saved her life, you know, on, on the ship when everyone else died. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, clearly pretty important and it's good to see kind of that. I mean, not good to see And it, but two other greys. Don't forget well, about yeah. them. Out of yeah, the three okay. that there were there. They were on the packs. <laughs> One made it to the packs. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it, it is. It is definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting indeed. So, we, after that, find and get a giant info dump of a lot of the things that have happened since we've been gone. One is that the whole solar system has opened up into a gigantic galactic war, starting with a second Moon Rebellion led by Mustang and the Ra family, after the unjust killing of <laughs> Rivas <our> Ra <laughs> and Darrow's <laughs> Triumph. All right.
0: Love that you committed to that. <laughs> Um, but you you mentioned Revis being unjustly killed, which I don't know if there were any just killings at the triumph. I, I what did anyone die in like actual combat? Like, everything was assassination or killing for killing's sake. Like nothing
1: seemed justified from basically any perspective in that situation. I, I definitely agree. I don't think that any of it was justified. Everyone was basically, you know, uh, killed in cold blood for the most part. You know, mm-hmm. there was no sort of combat. There was no trial or anything like that. The right. other part of the question, obviously, like, I you know, I'm saying unjust in the concept that it was unjust to the governorship of Io and to the Raw family, and so they're now going to they decide to back with mustang and lead like a second open rebellion
0: yeah which is fucking sweet but this this along with a whole lot of other conversations that have been happening throughout this section has made me sort of really think about who all these people are and how old Mm -hmm. they are so they're they're all in their early 20s right Pretty much. The jackal, uh, roke, mustang. And they, they are leading and heavily influencing or straight up making laws for the society that they're living in as, like, column 21. First of all, I remember when you and I were 21, <laughs> we would make rules. I'm sure we'd make laws. Like, if, if given the opportunity, we would... <laughs> we would go forward and make some sweeping changes to the laws of this country and a lot of them i probably stand behind today but a lot of them i wouldn't and i don't think the country would be better for it but take that a step further think about lorne how old was lorne when he was killed like almost 120 years old
1: yeah something in that range i feel like for some reason the text said 117 somewhere but i can't find it so okay 117
0: call it that he was still pretty spry. He was in pretty good shape. I know people referred to him as old, so let's call him the equivalent of a very in shape 75 year old that would make the the people running the country right now if you if you did sort of a percentage based equivalency between like our society and theirs like 15 mm-hmm. or 16 year old kids.
1: yeah, yeah. And I don't think this changes your math at all, uh, but they are like twenty three ish. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, call uh, it but call still, it sixteen. Like, call it just a solid sixteen year old. And I do remember the bullshit that you and I talked about at sixteen, and that wouldn't fly well.
1: <laughs> that one would not. Work. No, <laughs> we cannot have the country devolve into a bunch of different fight clubs in order to survive. For Oh, that I think should rights. still happen. Oh well. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, no, that's, uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> of, of course, I'm with you though. No, but, I think that uh, it is very interesting. Your point is still very valid. They are young kids, effectively, that are leading this revolution, and
0: they're, which is they're to they're say- capable and they're intelligent and they are like in the prime fighting shape of their lives, and th- there's nothing saying that they're not in in a good position to lead but at the same
1: time they're so young (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i and like i was saying i think the the kind of bit or the point of the conversation at the end of this too with with their youth is that there's naivete attached to it that i think neral and deanna especially in golden sun get to which is like to say What's the end of this? Like, there are going to be people without jobs. There are going to be all kinds of things. Real life is going to set back in, and you're going to have to deal with that, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, go off on your conquest now, son boy. Go, go do it. Go, go take over. Hold up the crown when you're done, the scepter and spear and it all, and be like, yay, we did it. And then you still have to deal with the rest of the shit. Go
0: steal a ship that is in the class of Moonbreaker, was probably like 20 kilometers long and uh run it on your own mm-hmm.
1: like, yeah what bullshit is that fair <clears throat> eight kilometers long eight kilometers jesus it, christ did it ever
0: did it give a a length for uh the moonbreaker size because i, I, I know, know the packs was like five
1: yes yeah and dreadnoughts it, are five moonbreakers are eight okay
0: because i i know yep. all it said was that The
1: the Colossus would make the packs look like something tiny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the big difference. So the you know, we as you mentioned, the Moonbreaker Roke has learned from Darrow's dirty tricks and stole the giant ass Moonbreaker, which he renamed the Colossus. Which I did a smidge of digging on. Um, I'm not sure if this is entirely intended. And I definitely am going to be circling around to this poem again later. But Sylvia Plath wrote a pretty good poem titled The Colossus. So I'm going to claim that that's the influence because it makes mention of the Roman Forum and kind of has a theme of history throughout as well as some themes. Um, Anyway, would highly recommend it to people who have read the book series and otherwise. It's only five stanzas. It's not very long and definitely worth looking at. Specifically, the part that I want to point out is perhaps you consider yourself an oracle, mouthpiece of the dead or of some god or other. 30 years now I have labored to dredge the silt from your throat, and I am none the wiser. It's not and. It's I am none the wiser. It is very... It's a very different poem from plath uh, plath obviously is known for you know being a dark poet that seems like a fantasy characteristic like th- mm-hmm. that seems like a and d class dark, which dark poet dark poet <laughs> fair fair and and it only makes sense of course for rope to potentially rename something after a poem Oh, Uh, absolutely it's uh it's very interesting so Mm -hmm. I, i think i think it'll make more sense as we start to unwind and unpack things but i think to some degree the naming of the ship to me at the very least points towards darrow being his own personal colossus to some degree where darrow thought that he was going to be this high and mighty and big thing mouthpiece of the dead or some god or other uh, and turned out to be lesser than and so roke himself claimed his own colossus it's interesting yeah regardless it makes you think i don't it know does. if that one's so direct I... but i'm i'm with it so lorne's words here as well haunt me the darrow quotes how rather They haunt Darrow. (laughs) They also haunt me, I guess. Um, Lorne's words haunt me. How do sheep kill a lion by drowning him in blood? And my question for you is, you know, obviously let's pick the, pick apart this quote, but is he referring to like the blood of reds? Like, is that what Darrow's suggesting?
0: Um, This is actually one that I also kind of thought about a lot. I've been really enjoying all of the Lornao Argos quotes and trying to pick them apart as much as possible. But maybe. But I, I, I think there's a couple different ways to look at that quote. There there's the idea that the sheep are mindless and following along and kind of the zombies of the society. The the I don't want to say uneducated, but just the 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 masses, the masses of society. But there's also kind of the way to look at it As those those with no teeth and those with uh, (laughs) I guess the the point I'm trying to get at is it could be referring to the Reds and the Red Society in general in that we can throw as many of us at it and just overwhelm them with with numbers, Mm -hmm. even though a lot of us will die in the process. It'll be the uh, for any of you Starcraft nerds out there, the uh, (laughs) the drone rush of of society where you essentially sacrifice your entire worker, like populace, and go all in and try to overwhelm with numbers as opposed to having military units with heavy losses. Or it could be kind of referring to a strategy that the Sons of Ares could employ in the sheep would be all of the rest of gold society. Hmm. And if they because, instead of trying to take a militaristic approach and take on the golden armada, if they kind of embrace a little bit of Harmony's tactics and kind of wipe out as many of the golden masses as possible. And as soon as you kind of hit a critical mass there, who is gold society presiding over? Mm-hmm. Like, who are they? Who are they ruling? If you take take away all of the populace and in that sense you're drowning them in the blood of their constituents. Yeah yeah and I, like, I, I I'm think... not I'm not speaking like that's not a very
1: elegant way to put that and I'm trying to kind of piece together my thoughts. I had uh, I think it's I think it's treading like you said I think it's treading dangerously close to Harmony's philosophy right of like just the red tide the never-ending red tide yeah. and I think that there is obviously the symbolism between red and blood here which is you know I definitely mean, something to note and merit that's I it's really
0: taking on more of a terrorist philosophy as opposed to a military philosophy yeah yeah as opposed to like attacking the society instead of
1: waging war against the society. Even that, even like extracting it a step, the people that are at fault in the society are the leadership of society, right? Right. Not the whole of society, which is the harmony kind of terrorist approach. So separating those two out, I totally see what you're saying. Right. It makes a lot of sense. And but I think that it, that's kind of the division line.
0: That's, that's a really kind of dangerous thought process. And I'm sure that'll come up later as a tactic because I, I think that's probably easier that's an yeah. easier way to cripple the gold society is to attack the people that can't fight back mm-hmm. but i don't think that's the goal and i yeah, I'm, no. I'm sure there's going to be if that does come up i'm sure there's going to be a lot of people fighting for both sides of it because on one yeah. hand it it maintains kind of a moral high ground to not do that but on the other hand it saves a whole lot of red lives to
1: attack people that can't fight back hmm fair point definitely worth uh worth considering and processing the the final note of the chapter is the releasing or severo's release of darrow's carving as a prompt to support the roar that darrow was the gold that was executed if it was darrow they thought it was is in fact a red and now red is rising yeah. boyo Boy- you know oh, boyo it's- <laughs> I just had to throw in the boyo there, um, but you know, you know, it's it's kind of it's it's symbolic in the way that we had kind of already touched on to some degree, right? Like it, it's. I think we touched a on it pretty explicitly, themselves.
0: but it's it's certainly it's certainly something that will it it turns Darrow into a martyr, mm-hmm. and I don't fault Severo at all for going through with that, especially knowing. Knowing wrongly, but knowing that Daryl was gone. So, in that respect, it was, it was allowing his friend's life to not be ended in vain. And, yeah. and becoming sort of a, a symbol, much like EO did, to rally people to the, to the unifying cause. But also, it turned him into a messiah. Him coming back from the dead, which again, as I mentioned before, how many who fucking actually dies in this book series?
1: Does anybody? <laughs> I mean, I'm waiting for Paxton to come back. Done. <laughs> like. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people have died. You know, there's there's the whole conversation um in general in fiction around like some characters have plot armor to some degree. Oh, certainly. I think I I truly think from the outset with everything that was planted with Victra, she was not intended to die in that moment in Golden Sun. I think that it was intended to pull you in. But at the same time, I wonder if it would have been even stronger if she had to to be
0: like, I, I, I have the image in my mind of her scrambling with her hands towards him in the dirt, two bullets in her spine, saying, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know, as she's dying on the floor in front of him. It, like, you that, know, that that's I, so fucking powerful. But I, with, I, with I, that- I wonder if it takes away some of
1: that power to have her not actually die. You know, on, on reread, I think it's still pretty powerful because she thinks that she's going to die. And so she thinks that the most important thing is to tell that to Darrow in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think it pulls I get away that. from power. I, there
0: are... I, I agree with you there, but I, I it's something that I kind of wrestle with a little bit when I'm reading. How many How many people have died and haven't actually died, Darrow included,
1: in this series? There's a lot of them. I mean Darrow and Victra narrow Nar. Narrow, so Naral's weird because narrow. they claimed that he died, but he he's didn't been die reported as us, dead. Right? Yeah, yeah, but like that—that's BS. So is Dancer. Dancer was reported. Same with as Dancer. Dead. Like, there's a lot of them nope. though. But but you're taking reports for faith versus like seeing it, right? So it's fair. I, I, that's fair. You're right but why is darrow like why is darrow still like
0: able to believe it just without question well because he
1: trusts people to some degree yeah he shouldn't that's a mistake (laughs) clearly (laughs) (laughs) he's he's been learning that this whole time i don't think he has also he clearly hasn't i mean part of the problem was he wasn't trusting the right people and now you know Um, so with that, I think moving on to chapter 11, my people, and we can talk about some of the things that you've kind of already mentioned a little bit of, but chapter 11, I think is great for character building. It's a reminder of the souls of each of our people, our characters and you know what they kind of stand for, for Darrow. It's a shaking of faith, a re reassertion of that faith and a sort of summation of what Darrow is to the people. Kind of like you said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's... He's gained sort of a messiah uh, position. And I I think explicitly it was referred to as he's become a messiah from from Severo's point of view, which makes total sense and also is a really, really strong way to cement loyalty to the cause. And I know that wasn't necessarily the intention, but if if you've if you've kind of been broken of your mental shackles by somebody's death and then nine months later, they come back. Mm-hmm. I th- think you double, I, I, I think most people
1: double down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. It's a, it's a whole lot more than a couple days in a cave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that it's, it's interesting that he comes back in that way. Mm-hmm. So, I, I also think it's interesting. We get the continuation of kind of the Norse story here with Ragnar right off the bat as well. And as well as kind of his saying that he plans on passing down the song of EO to to his people.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah spread so the word. So that was an interesting sort of line. The reference to the song of EO. What do you think? I'll, I'll let you know what I think that means. And I, I'm curious if you sort of hold the same viewpoint. Obviously, there's a, the song of Persephone, which is the song that she sang before being hanged, but I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think um, I think he's talking a, specifically to Darrow about the way that he's instilled hope and understanding and freedom on him in the name of Eo. Mm-hmm. So, sort of attributing that as Eo's, or like the song of Eo or Eo song or whatever, with no technical relation to the song that she was singing. I think it makes it really beautiful. I think it, I think it means a lot to Darrow. Probably being phrased that way, and I, I, I'm really curious to see if that's something that Darrow picks up, picks up on, and starts using as like th- this is my. My sort of his manifesto, so to speak, is the song of EO. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that sort of thought process. But I I think um, I've gone back and forth between literal and figurative sort of takes on, quote, the song of EO, unquote. And I
1: I, I think that's kind of what I'm landing on. But... I. I think I, I think I track that. I think that that makes sense. Well, when I say that, I mean, I think that the literal, or not the literal, rather, the figurative song, the sort of EO's dream rather than the song of EO is what Ragnar's referring to. Yeah. Meaning, like, the the sort of tune of freedom. <laughs> Interesting way to spin that. The tune of freedom. Yeah, it's it definitely lends itself... Kind of in in multiple ways, right? Because also they're the whole like unshakable Norse faith thing yeah. with the Obsidians is its own. That's the other thing. Concept. I am
0: so pumped to get more Norse lore kind of sprinkled into all this. Him him talking about gear the dragon, which just for some background, we definitely looked up how to pronounce the name of the dragon. Before recording this and yeah, wrote it down. because that's impossible to read. <laughs> <laughs> but Gear seems to be the proper way to pronounce it. It made me think of, as a kid, as a young kid, I think, I think I was in like fifth grade when Age of Mythology came out. Maybe sixth. Mm-hmm. I know it was, I, I know it was like elementary, late elementary school. I fucking loved that game. But getting the addition like starting the game with it was mostly like greek i think yeah all greek pantheon Mm -hmm. sort of lore and then it bleeding into egyptian for the second act and then specifically referring to this and like relating to this the the third act of the game dealt with norse mythology and that was the coolest shit the coolest shit Beyond just the mythology itself, how it so well blended with the Greek mythology, it, 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 it didn't overtake it or overwrite it or anything. But it, it was able to stand on its own and also meld with the other. And I, I think we're going to start seeing stuff like that going forward.
1: The sort of Norse addition to the Roman themes you know i mean and obviously it was kind of force-fed to some degree right to them which is its own it was interesting concept but i i do find it very interesting obviously there's the core concept in age of mythology i'm remembering this now when you when you walk through that portal for the first time where you like go into this underworld passage then then you're there with like three dwarves right away i don't know why i remember that so clearly but then the entire that that game game is all about ragnarok then at the end anyway backing up
0: i should it is i should i should download that game again
1: yeah it's i mean it's good i wonder if it's on steam i bet it is probably it's supposedly a remaster coming soon anyway interesting i i think that there's a lot there in terms of the norse mythology and i think it's also good that pierce pulled something else in to be borrowing some things from i mean he does obviously borrow from literary tradition but that's not as clear and obvious to everyone right it's not it's not strictly accessible wherein at the very least in the US we're we're taught roman culture pretty thoroughly you know and we get a a dousing of of egyptian mythology and not a whole lot else I, I mean i i got um some interest valley some obviously like early mesopotamian et cetera. but you know you don't get like you don't you don't get norse you don't get a lot of other areas mm-hmm. so it's a, it's good to kind of see a sprinkling of other things in here for sure for sure i I love the scene as well of them coming and meeting some of the other reds that are in the infirmary. Um, mm-hmm. Vano of Karos was just funny. And the return to low speak, I'd like really appreciated. It. it. was it, so it smooth. Mm-hmm. The conversation is just like perfect. It's just like a handshake. It's awesome.
0: I think there, there's a there's a quote in there I really, really liked, and I wish I would have written it down, but something along the lines of my tongue knows how to fall into the low
1: speak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Where it's just like he just knows how to return to it. I know exactly. What like, you're talking
0: it's about almost about it. It, it, it. It was described almost like muscle memory mm-hmm. of like okay, I can I can pick this back up and I can just
1: go with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I uh, I agree. I thought that that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. So at the end of that, though, we we get a conversation, something that you and I pauseded maybe on the podcast, maybe off the podcast uh, about whether or not. Darrow has new genitals, which obviously <laughs> everyone in the world has been wondering. Oh, of course, we got to know what color his spermies are. You know, we
0: need his spermies. We need to know if his spermies are red or gold. Right, it's very important. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, people are obsessed with dicks. They always will be, and they always should be, because dicks are beautiful.
1: <laughs> you're you're fired. Uh, it's I the do, balls I do like you better. Really interesting spermies, thing. though true true i do find it really interesting that uh that not interesting i found it hilarious when he downplays i can't stop saying i find it interesting i i (laughs) say it was there there are a couple i latch
0: i latch (laughs) to a
1: phrase for like two weeks at a time it's it's just how i function on average it's like two weeks shut up (laughs) (laughs) leave me alone i cycle through them though for sure so i do leave me alone Gambit was like, we had to beat it out of you. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. You haven't said Uh, it this week yet. No, that's true. It's true. So what do you think of uh, Darrow's gambits with Severo? (laughs) Just kidding. What did you think of uh, Darrow's asks to Severo?
0: Um, So there's three asks, correct? There's the... One
1: is Mustang. Mustang. What's the other one? Second is getting re-carved carving yep
0: and i i think those make total sense i'm kind of surprised darrow didn't ask to go with to to address mustang himself i think that would have been mm-hmm. way stronger but i i guess i understand that that would have been a real kind of risky move carving i think is also a real risky move so we'll we'll see what happens there i think i'm I'm excited to see Mickey either way. I don't think I believe he actually gets carved again, though, because I don't I don't think there's a whole lot that Mickey can actually do, because even when he was carving him, he had to go through really rigorous physical training in order to build the muscle to fill out the body that he was being given. And as Mm -hmm. it stands right now, he already has the body
1: right right which is i think also is what i think Severo says is you just need food you just yeah, need meat you need calories Yeah, you don't need carving you need calories yeah, yeah that's pretty much what he says yeah and i i totally agree with you i think that it's interesting but maybe there's something else right maybe there's something else there could be something to get carved additional yeah like his ween anyway or his size. eyes or maybe, his maybe eyes maybe we'll he will take
0: Severo's eyes. eyes
1: true true I, maybe. Don't think he will. I don't think that's what's happening so what do you think about the power gap between Severo and Darrow? I think it becomes very evident here. Severo kind of has the feeling in the meeting of being like the final seal of approval on everything like he needs to be or like he needs to say yes. But everyone kind of like looks past him. Yeah. To some I, degree.
0: I think this is something that needs an explicit discussion between Darrow and Severo and probably the entire sort of leadership base as it is. As of right now, Darrow's really not in the condition to lead in any sort of capacity other than symbolically or strategically. And his his, his bread and butter, Jesus, his bread and butter is leading on the battlefield and being like mm-hmm. both strategic and a warrior. So I think that's that's something that Darrow has to ref, like wrestle with himself or or fight to overcome. No matter what, he needs more strength than that. But on top of that, he's always been the leader of this movement to everybody. Fitchner was I mean, he was technically Ares, and he was technically calling the shots on a very sort of abstract, large kind of way, but Darrow had, had almost no interaction with him up until the end. He, Darrow was acting basically independently and building the relationships and creating the sort of circles of trust that have maintained to this day. So by all accounts, Darrow is the leader of this movement. And Severo right, seems right. more symbolic as Ares. And I, I think that's something they that need to work out because I, I think Darrow doesn't want to be the standalone leader. And I think Severo wants a little bit more respect as the leader. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it, it stands to reason that they can probably work together to create some sort of dynamic and some sort of uh, PSA or something that, uh I don't know, Darrow endorses Aries or something like that
1: yeah i think it was kind of always intended to go this way to some degree right like aries was always a temporary figurehead for the eventual permanent kind of supplantation not in this way of course this was not Fitchner's intention right but you know it was never intended that like aries was going to be the ruler of society and i also don't think Severo expects that but you know he is kind of filling in big shoes the best Though, i don't can. think he's just i kid. don't
0: think Severo would really
1: like. no no no, no. I, don't, I, don't I don't think don't, so at all I... either
0: No, but what I'm saying is I don't think he would uh, squander the opportunity to be sovereign. Like, I think he'd do it. That's not what he's going for. Not what he's hoping for. But, like, given the opportunity, I think he'd take it. He'd drive it
1: into the ground. (laughs) But he'd do it. Yeah, he'd try. He'd try. So... With that, we move into the last chapter of the week, chapter 12, The Julii. There's a lot here. I think it's really good that Victoria kind of gets her her chapter, she you know, to kind of she needed it. And it's a it's a good moment to kind of return to her character and kind of build her out a lot more and get a sense of connection between her and Darrow and address a lot of the, the kind of various elephants in the room. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's a it's a good point to kind of end this entire part on. Right. I think you're right. And, you know, it starts off pretty strong with uh, a quote here. That woman would look much better with a gun in her mouth, <laughs> <laughs> talking about the woman on TV,
0: which is Broke's mom, right? I believe so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the Senator, Milt, Broke's
1: mom. Y- yes. Yeah. The Foul mouthed Victor being back in action is just great. Yeah. No, I love, I love Victra. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I, I think this sort of chapter was kind of needed. To break up the stress of action and be a primarily dialogue and pretense-based chapter. I, I I think I think that only builds the depth that we feel for Victra. And I think that's really important. I, I think yeah. that's been a,
1: a little bit neglected. Especially for her in the past. Specifically for I, her in the past. I could not agree more. I totally totally see that and feel that, especially with Vitra. We, we even get her like quoting bits back of, you know, her experience over time to Darrow, mm-hmm. like anger in, in various moments. So I, I wanted to read, I think we would not be doing this chapter justice if we didn't talk about the absolute rampage that Victor goes on between pages 90 and 91. So I'm going to give it, give it a go here. She's talking to Darrow about joining the sons of Ares, right? So, She thinks for a moment, I don't care about your rebellion. I don't care about your dead wife or about finding a family or finding meaning i want to be able to sleep without them jacking me full of chemicals Darrow. i want to be able to dream again i want to forget my mother's caved in head and her vacant eyes and her twitching fingers i want to forget adrius laughing and i want to repay antonia and adrius for their hospitality i want to stand above them and that piece of shit roke as they weep for the end as i gouge out their eyes and pour molten gold into the sockets so they scream and writhe and spread their urine upon the floor and beg forgiveness for ever thinking they could put victor out julia in a gory damn cage she smiles fairly i want revenge
0: yes Ugh. yes okay Ugh. so um, i don't think there are almost any episodes where i don't talk about cinematography mm-hmm. and i think i would come in my pants if i saw this monologue get made into like a straight up quentin tarantino scene how fucking brutally cool would that be
1: yeah like a like a super cut where she's standing in a kitchen kind of shaking <laughs> around a pot with an oven mitt on her hand full of gold <laughs> oh, shit. and the three of them are strung up variously <laughs> and their eyes are on Butter knives sticking out of a barrel, like very Quentin Tarantino. Mm, I want that. I want that so badly. Yeah, like reverse Django Unchained.
0: I, very earned. I, I want that with like her saying this, playing as sort of a
1: disembodied voice in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't see her head, but you know that it's her. Like, you don't see her face.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's her voice. It's a monologue over the scene of her pouring gold into the eye sockets of the people that wronged her. How metal.
1: How metal. <laughs> It'd be it's, so it's fucking so good. good. <laughs> yeah. I. You know, just the whole, her whole, like, contained rage and even the the final bit of conversation that they end with is just phenomenal. I just cannot do anything but praise and layer on adulation for Victra mm-hmm. in this chapter. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It yeah. is it's do you have anything else on the Victor chapter? Oh man. No, I just I I want I want that brutality on film. Mm-hmm. I really do. <laughs> She is truly a character unlike any other. She she is in the same way that Severo is. But also, she doesn't
0: seem to have changed much. True. True. And that that's something that kind of surprised me in, in that Darrow has become so much more internal and isolated and skittish and nervous and paranoid. Like there, there's so much to his personality that's changed over the last year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I could have seen that monologue
1: from Victor during golden sun. That's that's true. I think what's interesting is that they were, they got the opposite exposures, right? Mm-hmm. So Victor wasn't even left alone with her thoughts. She was just tortured. Yeah. And so, you know, her last thoughts might be the ones, the only ones that remain because she even came out on the other side, you know, being able to form thoughts. Right. What I, what I find very interesting comparing, characters here for a bit it's a bit of a jump away from what you were saying but i think that you can see an interesting comparison of revenge between her and harmony and kind of their their approaches to their own personal vendettas and revenge if harmony wasn't such a space racist Mm
0: -hmm. i could see victor and harmony being a very very
1: dangerous alliance yeah yeah I mean, conceivably, as long as they were wronged by the same people, you know, (laughs) Right. but yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. And I do think bouncing back to what you were saying, I I think that Victra has here's here's what I'll say is actually I think that Victra has hasn't strictly changed, but has maybe doubled down is more firm in a lot of the things that she felt before. Okay. So uh, that may or may not be change. I don't know if, if you if like doubling down inside of the things you believe is change or not. But, you know, something. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anything yeah. else on this week?
0: Hmm. I don't think I've got anything else to add. I think that was a that was a pretty, pretty good spread of what we've what we've read
1: so far. Yeah, it was a it was concise. You know, that's that's interesting. So. With that, let's jump into predictions. So what do you think comes next in the next section? A jump in time, perhaps? A training montage, maybe? Um, Or are we just going full space war? Specifically, I'm thinking training
0: montage. I think it'll probably uh, very very closely follow that initial carving montage that happened during his first carving. Where Harmony was helping him physically train while Mickey was carving him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think something like that will happen. I'm guessing he'll probably do it with Victra or alongside Victra because she's in a similar boat. She, As we know, she has officially joined the Sons of Ares. I guess that's one thing mm-hmm. to add. Uh, the last line. Yeah. Welcome to the welcome. Sons of Ares. Right. She needs to be back at full strength. So does he. So uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking training montage with
1: Victra instead of Harmony.
0: No, no, no. I think, uh, ooh, who leads it? Ragnar. Ah. I think I think we
1: get like beefcake Ragnar leading the (laughs) leading the training between the two. Nice. Nice. I dig. I dig. So what's Darrow's third ask? He's got the three things. Um so I've got a I've got a couple ideas. One
0: would be something to do with giving up his like body part trophies, like an eyeball of <laughs> Pliny or something like that. I don't think that's what he's asking. So I'm guessing Darrow's asking to go somewhere. Okay. And I could honestly see it tying into the first ask of going and seeing Mustang, the ask of letting him go with them to to approach Mustang himself. I think that's what I'm going with. I think he asked to be
1: uh, prepared to leave
0: for an expedition of some sort.
1: Okay, Uh, Mustang's reaction, you know, in general, whenever they reunite. Um, I think it's
0: going to be very neutral, and that neutrality is going to come off as negativity because in this sort of situation, anything that's not positive is a negative. But I, I think explicitly, she's going to react with lack of emotion, lack of response, and
1: uh, just letting things play out without interference. Okay. Final prediction. Gold or red spermies? Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> So I think
0: I think his dingling is gold. I think it's got to be. You got to match that shit. But um, <laughs> I think I think his spermies are probably still
1: uh, still hell divers. <laughs> wow wow much better than what you put in the notes so we'll uh, we'll take that there you you somehow made that funnier all right so uh anything else
0: i'm excited to see more interaction with the infirmary because i i think this is i think that was a scene that was really kind of a turning point with darrow Mm -hmm. as far as um just straight up disposition goes and um inspirational and i I think he'll i think he'll start
1: spending more time in the infirmary so i'm looking forward to that cool sounds good so next week we'll be reading chapter 13 through 19 the first half of part two rage should be a great old time we are i think that puts us that'll put us at like a quarter of the way through this book already dude no, oh, well. I mean, it's like nine or ten episodes, but like still like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, we're almost through a first fucking trilogy anyway. um, So so that's where we'll leave you for this week. Continue to refer us, retweet us, comment, do whatever you'd like. Interact with us on social media. Leave us reviews, anything like that. we love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you more. I'm planning on. At the end of part two, Rage, to start launching weekly questions. So hopefully we'll get some responses. I uh, would love to hear from you guys as well as read any of the reviews on air that are left on iTunes. We'll leave a little space, basically, for uh, for audience interactions. That sounds wonderful.
0: If you want to kind of see what we talk about, like uh, our cocktails or our beers or s- stuff like that, we have our website words and whiskey show we have a a page there that has pictures and recipes for all the cocktails that we have on the show as well as um do we have a calendar up there yet no but it's coming Fox. to youtube okay youtube first we will we'll have a calendar soon we as mentioned we are going to start posting all of our shows to youtube including all of the back catalog i believe yes if, if you prefer to listen to your podcasts on YouTube, you can do that. I've got a lot of ideas for YouTube videos to post. So keep an eye out for that. And then uh, social media at Words Whiskey Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Correct? Words so Whiskey Twitter
1: Pod. is Words Whiskey Pod and Instagram is Words and Whiskey Pod. God, what fucking shit is that? Yeah, I know. I'm working on getting unified. I actually put in an application <laughs> to uh, to change our shit on Instagram. So okay. that at the very least, it's the same because Twitter's got a minimum. And uh, fair yeah.
0: enough. So uh, we've been we've been having a lot of fun interacting with fans on both of those platforms. So if you'd like to join, please do so. We we really do um, remember and text each other anytime somebody new interacts with us on on Twitter or Instagram. So
1: uh yeah that's so that's what i've got hey look i literally fixed it so it's words whiskey pod words uh, whiskey pod yep on uh on instagram and twitter so okay same now they're the same can't mess it up you heard it here first folks so we really appreciate each and every one of you listening weekly we're so glad for each of you that are following along and can't wait to share with you what we have next week yes yes sir i will uh try to not be a fucking idiot